Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. It's not about like trying to re relive yesteryear. It's about taking what we have, all of this intellectual property, all of these songs, all of these artists, and taking it and then presenting it to the world in a really cool way so people can continue to enjoy it. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure for me, and I have to say for our listeners, it allows me to tell my kids that I've still got some props, you know, but it's a, great, it's a great pleasure for me to welcome Todd Smith to our broadcast today. I've gotten to know this gentleman as Todd Smith, but like everyone else, I first met him as LL Cool J. Uh, Todd, thank you for joining, and uh, as I said, thank you for allowing me to have some props with my, uh, with my peeps. Uh, <laughs> that I get to hang around with you. Hey, Mike, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Todd, you've enjoyed an illustrious career that spanned nearly three decades. Hard for me to imagine because you don't even look that old now. You've been doing this stuff for quite some time. I'm curious, if you look back at your beginning, the beginning of your journey in the music business, is there something you wish that somebody told you before you started? Or was, was it good to go in, and I'm not suggesting you were, but was ignorance bliss in this case? You know, there is. I think that I wish I was a little more self-aware early on. I don't think I completely knew who I was or the value that I brought to that specific genre and that specific time and that specific business. And I think that that is very important, especially, you know, for a young artist. If you don't, you know, you must remember that there were no, um, there wasn't a lot of really experienced talent managers in the hip hop space when I started. So there wasn't a lot of people to ask a lot of questions of, and there wasn't a lot of, so I didn't have quite the level of professional guidance that I wish I had, you know, those moments in time when you, you know, those, those deals you settled for that you thought were so much and in hindsight were really nothing compared to what they could have been. But right. because you don't know any better, you just kind of, you know, you you settle at moments when you probably shouldn't have. Now, mind you, I've done, you know, well and, you know, I'm OK and, you know, I can get a cheeseburger and there's no problem. But, you know, can it, you I, get a double? Can you get I, can, a double? I can actually get a triple. Right. OK. But, in that case, you know, but, good. but I'm still working on filet mignon. Right. There you, so, there um, you go. So, so it's like uh, that was the one thing, probably the only area where I would have. um kind of looked at things a little differently. But I think, you know, all things being said, all things being equal, kind of looking at my life, I, I've done I've done well. You know, I think, you know, you could always see where you could do better, right? Like, I'm, you know, like, let's let's take the, the, like the great Michael Jordan, right? I mean, yeah, he has six championships, but in the last dance he was talking about, he probably could have got eight and, you know, or 10. It's interesting because you say that, and I, I liken it to when I began practicing law. And as you know, that's how I started my career. And I had a good buddy of mine who said, hey, 
Michael, my dad, his dad owned a big, you know, big family construction company. Said, my dad said, now that you're in your own practice, we can start to use you as a lawyer. And I was real excited and potentially big client. And so we do some work in that first month, I send him a bill and he calls me up and he says, hey, Michael, I got your bill and it was very reasonable. And I thought, oh my God, send it back. It has to be more. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You know? Oh my God. Exactly. I must have missed some value here. Exactly. Exactly. So I was sending a lot of reasonable bills when I started. You know, I had a lot of reasonable. We got to be unreasonable. Yeah, I was, I was. I was a little too reasonable. That's it. But again, these are the things that we learn as we go relative to opportunities. So let me ask you another question. When you started on the journey, Todd, did you expect that you'd end up you know, creating success at the level you did, not necessarily on the other side of the camera, but, you know, in acting. I mean, you know, you started down the road in music and you've enjoyed great success as an actor. And as I've told you, my wife is hooked on a feeling and that is, you know, watching your show on CBS. So talk to me about that. Yeah, you know, I honestly didn't. I mean, look, I have, you know, I've always been confident about what I'm doing, but I had no idea I would do all the things that I'm doing. I mean, it kind of morphed into a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, a guy once told me, he said, look, never limit yourself. And I kind of took that to heart. And as opportunities arose or would come up, I, you know, took into consideration whether or not I felt like I could actually do it well. And then I, you know, if I thought I could do it well, I'd go for it and just try to, you know, figure it out. And, um, I didn't, I didn't you had know. A stretch, you had a stretch goal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I was going to, you know, things were going to happen. I didn't know I would be doing a CBS show for over a decade and all of these movies and these different business things and, you know, um, ventures and, you know, little, you know, investments and things. Like, I had no idea that any of this would pan out the way it has. Um, you, you, you work really hard. You know, you, you try to, I, I've always tried to keep my word, work hard. You know, uh, my grandmother gave me a, ma a mantra when I was that I was raised to, which was my guiding principles were basically if a task is once begun, never leave it till it's done. Be thy labor, great or small, do it well or not at all. And my grandmother told me that from day one. Um, and my mother always told me you can do anything you put your mind to. And between those two things, I just kind of operated. Those were kind of like my uh, operating uh, principles. Yeah, my operating principles, you know, and I just kind of went with that. Todd, you said something earlier about you've had the good fortune to do well. I was taught by my parents, which I know you live by, if you've had the good fortune to do well, you then have the obligation to do good and to do good in the community in a different way. I've always subscribed to a mantra myself, and that is we all have an obligation to split our lives into threes a third to our family, a third to our community, a third to our business. And going back to the idea that you've had the good fortune to do well and you've established a brand that is the Todd Smith LL Cool J brand, people listen. You're like E.F. Hutton in the old days. When you speak, people <laughs> listen. And you can speak not only with your, with your resources, but you can speak with your voice and your conscience and your heart. Can you talk a bit about how that's playing out for you? Where are the places you're seeing now where somebody in your, and I say this respectfully, vaunted position can make a difference? Because I know it matters to you and I know you're doing it. Well, I think the first thing is, um, 
you know, the idea of putting your oxygen mask on first so you can help those next to you is a is a really sound principle in life. Um, you know, so well said. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the idea of because if you if you become successful and if you do well, then you can help others. Right. So I think we all have an obligation and a duty to do well and to succeed. Uh, I, I love the third, the third, the third idea, because I, I mean, that works whether you're talking about investments, that works in relationships, that works on so many levels. It's just a piece of wisdom, you know, that that I think you could spread in many different areas. What I've tried to do is spiritually be on the right side of of history by, um, you know, being charitable and um, making sure that, you know, a portion of everything I get in my in my in my case, a portion of, you know, any dollar I get goes to the church. Um, I make sure of that 10 um, percent. Um, uh, I try to make sure that I always live by those principles because I think when you put the spirit of love and the man upstairs first, then you can kind of line up the rest of your life behind that. So I think that you have to lead from that place. Goes back to organizing principles. Organizing principle. And, you know, the, the, the natural thing is once you put the man upstairs first, then you have to figure out what comes after that. Right. Um, so there's a there's that. So I've always I, I, I lead with that. Um, then. In terms of my community, that is quite frankly the main reason why I started the Rock the Bells. Initially, the channel, not even getting into the platform. I'm talking about the channel. The the real the pure reason was that I felt like the people in my community, in this particular case, I'm talking about the classic hip hop community. I felt like they were being marginalized. I felt like they were kind of being um, you know, pushed to the peripheral and not treated properly. And that is not only an idea about taste and creativity, which is all cute and fun and dandy, but it also affects families, right? Because when you marginalize a specific genre of music, or in this particular instance, these artists, they're not making the same money. They're not making having the same income. That's affecting trickle kids. That's, effect, down effect that's affecting college educations. That's a, so there's a lot more to that. So I took over the channel because I really wanted to see the culture lifted up. I wanted to see the legacy preserved. I wanted to see these artists treated with a lot of love. That transformed into the platform. Um, now, where does where does that fit in with to, with me as a black man in America? Is is by me creating a platform that allows others to experience success and gives other people a launch pad for things that they want to do and puts them in a position to capture value. So Todd, when I had the good fortune and in full disclosure for our listeners, I'm proud to say that I'm a partner with you in this. I'm proud of that and excited about what the opportunity uh, Rock the Bells puts forth. But you were clear with me when we sat down that first time, this was not only about celebrating the legacy and the you know, paying homage to the history and the culture, which is critical, because I'm going to get to that in a moment, because yeah. we're living on the other side of something today that's called the cancel culture. And the right. cancel culture is canceling things that happen in a fashion. But right. what you're saying at the nub was, I want to celebrate and pay homage to the culture and the history of hip hop and how it grew up and what that impact on society was. But you also want to move it towards a modern lens. So so you want it, it's a real delicate balance. You want to you know, celebrate where you came from, but you want to know where we're going. 
Well, I think James, I think the James Bond franchise is a, is a great example. It's a little bit of an analogy, but if you think about it, this is a guy that, you, you know, you look at the world through a modern lens, right? So the way we present these things, the way we go about talking about the artists, the way we tee these artists up. Look, when you go to the Louvre Museum or when you go to a great museum, those things are on display in the most modern way or in a way that's the most appealing to modern day customers, Right. Okay. Modern day fans. And so what I'm not trying to do is what I'm not doing is just like like I'm not afraid to take my old high school ring off. This is that's not what this is about. This is about like a lot of these acts have brand new projects, brand new things happening, you know, but it's about like when I give Run DMC equity and when we give Salt and Pepper equity and when we give, you know, Eric B equity and when we give, you know, Fab Five Freddy equity, when I bring these these artists in, I'm giving them an opportunity, Jonathan Mannion, Ernie Panacoli, I'm giving them an opportunity to keep moving forward. So it's just like myself, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of like in Rock the Bells in the microcosm. I have a history, but I'm currently doing many things. And I think Rock the Bells is very much like that in that we're not just saying, okay, this happened before and that's all it's about. It's about, okay, let's let's lift this thing up and let's present it. Let's do it in an interesting way. Let's do create new, clever content. How many stories do we come out? How many movies come out? If Steven Spielberg does a, a period piece, it's still presented in the most modern way and still fresh for new audiences. So... It's just a matter of, I just don't want to allow the thing to be forgotten. It's not about like trying to re relive yesteryear. It's about taking what we have, all of this intellectual property, all of this, all of these songs, all of these artists and taking it and then presenting it to the world in a really cool way so people can continue to enjoy it. I will tell you what's so interesting about that. You know this, Todd, and people who listen to this podcast know this well because I talk about it a lot. My fandom over the last five or six years has been focused on Hamilton. The first time I sat there, I had no, I hadn't read anything about the show. I'd read the book, but I had no idea. And a buddy of mine recommended to me that, oh, this show, Hamilton's playing at the public theater. It hadn't gone to Broadway yet. And you got to see it. It's amazing. And said nothing else. And I said, okay, well, I, I trust your taste. I sat there that first night and I had no idea nothing. And I, to this day, remember sitting there and just my mouth dropping and just going, what the, you could finish the sentence. I mean, I had no, I had no idea what to expect. And they took something, I know when Lin-Manuel Miranda did so brilliantly, kind of what you're saying, he took history and he delivered it in a new way. And again, in, in hip hop, it's so important relative to its history, and yet it's critically important relative to its future. So you can't forget where it came from, but the idea of using that as a base to reimagine, and as you say, celebrating the heroes of it. Not only celebrating the heroes, but we've curated the best of all things hip hop, and we're bridging the gap, right? So we also are putting our, our arms around young artists that we think continue along the lines of the tradition of what we feel is the essence of hip hop. The four elements being breaking, graffiti, DJing, and MCing. And we got young artists as well that we look at and we say, okay, that artist is a good bridge. Let's embrace them. So we've curated, we, we've given fans a place, a platform where they could read, shop, listen, exclusive audio, 
exclusive video, um, all of the products that are associated with hip hop, all of, whether it's clothes, whether it's books, whether it's, you know, hair products, there's all different things that are really closely tied into hip hop. So when you go to rockthebells.com, you basically, you know that anywhere you point or anything you grab comes from the world of hip hop and it's, it's vetted and curated. Todd, let me ask you a question, and I put it to you earlier in what would you have liked to have known at the beginning that you mm -hmm. didn't? As you're looking at the world today, and I'm not talking about the world of hip-hop or the world of music or the world of acting. I'm now mm -hmm. talking about the world of a young person in this environment that we're living in. Let's start with a young black person, but let's start with any person, because you know this. As we're looking at what we need to do as a society, we have to start at the basics. We have to start where we should have been a long time ago, but we're not. I want to talk about recruiting. I want to talk about uh, identifying talent in the workplace, in this environment. Okay. Mm -hmm. If we look at how one example, Blackstone, which is the largest private equity firm in the world, they stood up early post George Floyd and in the moment and said, we realize that our hiring practices are restricted. Why? Because as a private equity firm, the trajectory from where we hire is generally from the investment banks. By the time you get here, the filtering process is like this. Nobody's getting through. Right. So how the hell do we turn that around? Because everybody says, oh, now you must hire people of color. Okay. but. Right. The people of color are not necessarily in the pool you're choosing from because they haven't been able to get into that pool. I think, you know, the long term and the strategic, the strategically sound answer is that we have, you know, we have to make a conscious effort to improve the, the level of education across the board. I, I, I think the idea that the quality of your education is a lot, a lot of it is based on the tax base in the community. I think that that's a real tough way to do it because what that does is that contributes to systemic racism. You know, if because of just generational wealth and or a lack thereof over the course of 100 or 200 years, you end up you end up in a neighborhood where the tax base is higher so you you know you know and that wealth that's been created. So that 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 disparagement, that gap, that wealth gap I think affects that let me just put it to you like this. I've sat on guy, I've sat on planes, private jets with, you know, hedge fund guys. And I've stood in a barbershop in the middle of the hood. And the reality is people are laughing and joking and telling the same stories, basically. And there's not that much difference other than the financial aspects. Human beings are human beings. Right. So I think we have to improve the level and the quality of education um, in the communities that have suffered under this disparity, this disparity that was put in place systemically. All right. Um, you know, I'm an anomaly. You can't point at LL Cool J and say, oh, see, it's all good because look at LL Cool J. That's just not the truth. The truth is that a lot of my friends that I grew up with ended up taking jobs as middle aged men or in or in positions if they didn't, if not worse, that aren't as good as they could be based on the level of intellect that they are naturally born with. They were just in an environment and in circumstances where they didn't have, you know, you know, they didn't have a booster seat, so to speak, to be able to sit at the table. But it's so interesting, Todd.
because somebody said something the other day when they were talking about a particular person who made really good choices. The person said, this person made really good choices. Somebody else countered by saying, actually, they had really good choices to choose from. And, but not only, yeah, but not only good choices to choose from, but I got one better for you. The reality is, depending on what kind of environment you're raised in, you can make a lot of mistakes and, and, and still be okay. Like, exactly. you know, because you're not, you weren't born on a tightrope. All right. Like, so, it's like just because, you know, little Johnny who went to Beverly Hills High may not be that brilliant, but when his dad has a, you know, Johnny has failed 15 jobs in a row and his father's gave him 15 shots. So instead of Johnny, so instead of Johnny being in a county jail or on a corner with a beer, Johnny's in another company this week. Life without a safety net is different than life without a safety net. There you and go. Don't we don't we know it? You know, look, and Todd, it, it goes back. I do believe that our two communities have an alignment. And you know that's a passion point for me about the two communities, about the black community and the Jewish community. My grandmother said, when you're Jewish, you have to stay ahead to keep up. I'm certain you learned something exactly the same. It, maybe you had to work twice as hard. You have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Yeah, whatever the expression was, we're not that far apart in that. In fact, we're more aligned than, than most people think, even in this day and age, especially with the rise of issues around anti-Semitism at the same time as we've got a much more pronounced and appropriate view of the racial injustice in our society. And I guess what's magic in this moment, and what we all can hope for, is that, like we use the term in showbiz, this story's got legs. I think this time, it's different. I hope that's right. Well, it's, that there's no doubt about it. More serious and 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 not just admiring a situation because we can all look at it and go, "Oh yeah, that's really terrible," but you don't do anything about it. And you know this from the entertainment community as well, Todd. When, when the organization put together See Her, are you familiar with the See Her movement? The idea was to avoid objectification of women in, in television. And, okay. and, and the idea of See Her was you have to see her to be her. Uh -huh. That's uh -huh. ever more true in the black community. If you can't envision yourself somewhere, you're not going to aspire to get there. You, you have to see yourself there. And, and, and it's a basic principle. 100%. 100%. Without a doubt. I mean, it is, it is key to everything, right? Like, you know, your mind is the seed and the soil. Your thoughts are the seeds. Your mind is the soil, right? So it's almost like if you don't have the right thoughts about it and don't plant those thoughts, but then you have to go out and act on it, right? And what we've seen, what, what people have seen with, with the black community is, um, you have success stories in spite of, not because of. You know what I mean? It's more in spite of. That's right. And, um, and that's a so big difference. It's it. Oh, huge, huge. Um, now, mind you, uh, you know, I mean, I've just, you know, the Jewish community. I've always been tight with the Jewish community. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, this lady, Miss Bloomberg, used to send me silver dollars every week. You know, from my grandmother through my grandmother. Um. You know, I've always been connected. Rick Rubin gave me my break. Then from Rick Rubin and went to Leo Cohen. Like, I've always, you know, connected, you know. But it really starts with mind, the, the thoughts, 
planting those seeds and taking action. Faith without works is dead. You have to be faith. You have to have faith, but then you got to work at it. And you got to you got to really tend your own garden. You got to tend your own garden. You got to really get out there and do what you need to do to make it. And I think that what I'm glad, what I believe right now is in that I'm happy about is that a lot of people will ask, like, like you have, you know, like some some white people who are on the right side of history will say, well, how do we make sure that this this that the corporations don't get turned off, that the corporations don't just kind of look at it, but then take their eyes off the ball? I think it's about making long term deals. I couldn't agree more. Todd, let me transfer back to, to Rock the Bells. Again, I like to tell stories in my life and anecdotes are a great way to do it. So two friends of mine, Steve Greenberg and Brian Beadall, were the folks who founded Classic Sports. And when they started Classic Sports before ESPN bought it, the pundits, you know, the, the naysayers said, ah, come on, who's going to want to watch used sports? Well, the answer is every sports fan in the world wants to relive that seventh game, wants to relive that catch, wants to relive that, you know, that touchdown. Rock the Bells is both celebrating the classic nature of hip hop, it, like classic sports was. I think it's a good analogy in terms of, you know, a fine place for us to end this conversation. I'd love to hear your your take on that. Just in terms I, I think of I think you're spot on. I think people love Music. I think they classic hip hop fans love hip hop. They remember every moment they were there. They remember the high school dance, the college party. They remember the date, the dance, everything in between. And I think that hip hop has for hip hop fans has been an integral part of their lives. And there is no reason, especially with the technology and the capabilities that we have today for us to let this music just be treated as a commodity and pushed to the side or let this culture be treated as a commodity and pushed to the side. This culture is vibrant. It has influenced the entire world. Like the, 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 the essence of Rock the Bells is the culture that has shaped all of pop culture around the world, hip hop. I can go out that far and say hip hop culture has been that effective in driving the conversation around the world. So, you know, I think that, you know, to, to, to embrace Rock the Bells is to embrace culture in general. You well, know, like look, music has done this. If we think about rock and roll, if we think about the British invasion, and if we think about hip hop, in my, for my money, you know, sure you got the, the 80s pop or whatever you got, but I'm not diminishing it, you know, but, but if you think of rock and roll, if you think of the British invasion, and if you think of hip hop, you've just identified the last 70 years of culture. Yeah. And think about it like this. Think about it like this. You know, when, when, when rock and roll first turned classic, imagine a company that really focused on rock and roll and really decided that they were going to, that was going to be their dominion. That was the thing that was going to be the thing that they dominated and that they focused on. Imagine where they would be now. Well, guess what? Rock, um, classic hip hop has just become classic recently in the last three to five years. And guess what? Now you have a company, Rock the Bells, who is saying, you know what? Anything classic, we're in it. If it's classic hip hop, we're involved, we're in it. We either start it or we finish it, but we're in it. And, and so Rock the Bells is an opportunity for people to basically get in on the long game of hip hop. Todd, what I want to say is you are one classy guy bringing us classic hip hop Thank with you, Rock Todd. the Bells. I'm honored to be able to say Todd Smith is my friend. 
We're privileged to have you spend the time with us today. I know that Rock the Bells is going to really embody that cultural moment, that zeitgeist that was so relevant. And as I said, it's shaped it's shaped this generation. 100%. And, and I look at it again through the lens of my kids who were of the age when hip hop was getting started, they were in it. And here's one last thing I'll leave you with this thought. The one funny thing, a little fun fact. Now, we, we target Gen X, but we over-index with Gen Z, which is the funniest thing in the world. And so, so yes, we have a couple of cool millennials who are like, eh, but then all of a sudden we skip past them and Gen Z is like, yes. So it's, it's, it's the craziest thing in the world to, from, I guess, the Gen Z are the children of Gen X. That's we're still looking at the data on it, but un, it's unbelievable. All of our data shows us we're rocking with Gen X and we're over-indexing in in the uh, in the high 80th percentile with Gen Z. You're starting to sound like a media guy, Todd. I'm just Smith. telling I don't you, know I'm keeping it real shit. with you, man. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, Todd. Thank you again. Great privilege, and I'm looking forward. Thank you, Michael. Much love. Thanks for having me. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 